Pastor Marsha. Will you make your way up here, please? Can we hear it for Pastor Marsha? She's got an announcement for you guys. Good morning. I'm standing before you to remind you that the Super Saints are going to be kicking back off after the first of the year. And as in the past, pre-COVID, do you feel like your world stopped at COVID and then it picked back up again? Pre-COVID, we always had a Thanksgiving gift that we gave to our seniors age 60 and over. And we, we picked back up, guys. So after church, if you are 60 or over, eh, if you're 59, you might could sneak in. But anyway, 60 and over, we have a gift for you over in the kitchen and somebody will be there to help you, okay? Thank you. All right, thank you, Pastor Marsha. Now, Miss Pat also has an announcement for us. Pastor, good morning. Well, it's that time again where Thanksgiving we're going to be eating a lot, right? And to continue to that, we also, how many of you are ready for an old-fashioned beef stew dinner with taters and carrots? If you haven't seen it, we've got announcements out on the Welcome Center area, and it is Wednesday, November the 30th from 5 to 7 Chef Lamont will be our cook, and we all know it's good when Chef Lamont cooks. So come on out and support. This is for the playground equipment, which I understand is coming very soon. Thank you. Let's hear it from Miss Pat. Awesome, awesome. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning. I'm glad to see all of you. Anyone excited for Thanksgiving at all? Anyone like food besides myself? Yeah? All righty. Well, if anyone doesn't know me, I think I see everyone and know everyone in here as of right now. But if you do not, for whatever reason, my name is Josiah Hodge. I am the lead servant and pastor here at Crossroads World Outreach Center. And it's an honor to have all of you, whether you've been here 500 times or one time or this is your first time, we are honored to have you with us today. Because we believe that nothing happens by accident here. We believe you are here for a purpose. There's a reason you stepped foot in these doors this morning. Um, The Lord is sovereign. He knows all things and he has a plan for all things. Um, And I'm really excited to have you all with us this morning. As you all know, we have been doing a series called Children of Light. I honestly wish that we had a couple more weeks till Thanksgiving um, because there's a lot I want to say today, and I don't know how much I'm going to get through today, um, and, but I'm excited. This is week three. It's called Ignite, but will you please stand with me before we get started and let's pray together, and if you are willing, please raise your hands to heaven to receive what the Father has for us today through his Holy Spirit. Father, we just thank you for another day. I pray that we would always walk in a spirit of thanksgiving, realizing that every breath we take is from you. Every time we eat, it is your provision. Every time we lay our head on our pillow at night with a roof over our heads, it's because you allowed it to be so. And so, Father, I just pray that everything we do, we see you as good in all things. We see your beauty in all things, that we would walk in the identity that your son, Jesus Christ, died for us to have. And Father, today, I just pray 
that whether we go 30 minutes or an hour, that our ears would be postured to hear what the Spirit has for us today. That we would not have the attention span of a gnat, but we would have the attention span of an elephant. That we would keep it and remember it. That we would be focused today. That we would be focused today. Because everything changes when we have a revelation of our identity in Jesus. And everything changes when we then live that identity out every single day. So, Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you are good at all times. All the time you are good, Father. You are never not good. Even when situations aren't good, you are still good. Even when our families aren't good, you are still good. Even when our marriages aren't good, you are still good. Even when our relationships with our children aren't good, you are still good. Even when work isn't good, you are good. Even when our health isn't good, you are good. Even when our finances aren't good, you are good. So, Father, I just pray in this season of Thanksgiving, that would truly become a posture of our heart, and Thanksgiving would be a lifestyle. So, Father, we just thank you for this time to gather. In mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Um, two quick things, well, three quick things real quick. Like Pastor Serena said, next Sunday is our Seawalk Family Thanksgiving. Um, that is always super laid back and super relaxed. So please, it's going to be potluck style, like she said. If you just want to grab some KFC chicken or a Little Caesars pizza, by all means do so. We're excited to gather with one another. November 30th, like Miss Pat said, is our fundraiser. And all of the proceeds from that are going to our community center project, which that should be up in the next two weeks or so, our uh, playground for phase one. So we're really excited about that. And then December 11th is our Seawalk Family Christmas, um, which our kids are currently rehearsing for right now at this moment for their Christmas production. So we got some exciting things coming up. But now let's focus in Ignite. What does Ignite mean? It means to set on fire, to kindle or start a flame. In order for us to ignite a spark in someone else, there has to be a genuine fire inside of us first. Because if your fire is burning low or is non-existent, it's going to be impossible to then take your flame and ignite someone else's. To kindle someone else's flame, you also have to have a genuine burning flame. And for us to have that flame, for us to have that genuine true light, it comes from a place of knowing our identity in Jesus. I'm going to say this again. And right now in this season, Holy Spirit has not released me for about six months of diving into my identity as a son of God. What is my identity in Christ Jesus? In Christ Jesus is used 164 times in the New Testament. So it's really, really important. But for us to walk as this light, these children of light that we keep talking about, we have to understand what our true identity is in Jesus. I was speaking to one of my mentors this past week, and I was, I was struggling with some things because I am the type of person that I feel responsible for everything around me. I mean, my goodness, if, if something happens I don't know about in this church, I feel guilty like somehow I allowed it to happen. And so I usually feel responsible for everything. I feel responsible for how people respond. I feel responsible. You going to come preach with me, baby girl? It's like, nah, I'm good, man. I'm good. She's like, yeah, uh, dad's chasing me now. <laughs> Soon, baby. Once we're able to speak those uh, full, clear sentences, I'm going to get you up here with the mic. But oftentimes I feel responsible for people. 
how they respond, how they act, how they receive what I'm saying. And one of my mentors said something so beautiful to me. He said, Josiah, you're not responsible for them. You're responsible to them. I said, Jamie, what in the world do you mean? He said, you're not responsible for how they respond. You're not responsible for how they receive. You're not responsible for how they live, but you are responsible to put forth truth. You are responsible to guide them into the light. You are responsible to do things, but not for who they are. And in this season, Holy Spirit keeps speaking identity to me. And so I'm going to put it forth to you, but how you respond and what you do with it is up to you. This is why I give y'all so many passages of scripture because I want you to go home. I want you to fact check me. I want you to study. I want you to get this in your spirit. I want you to allow the same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus who now resides inside of you to bring forth revelation light inside of your very being. And so I'm here today. We're mainly going to talk about identity. Everyone okay with that? I know where our starting point is. I don't know where our landing point is. So we're going to kind of figure it out along the way. The identity of his children. The identity of his children. In Ephesians 5, 8, we know that we are now children of light. We were once darkness, but now we are children of light. Now, it's very important that as we study the Bible, we also look into the Greek. Because sometimes you may read an English word and you may not understand what in the world they were trying to communicate So what does it mean we are children of light? We've talked about this. We're going to talk about it again. The English word light in the Greek is phos, and it literally means this. All that is good, righteous, and true. Children of light are children of revelation light. You see, there's something beautiful when we live in this identity as children, as children of of the light, other people come to a revelation of Jesus just by the way we live. It's called lifestyle Christianity. And by living in this identity that you now, you say, no, Josiah, there are things in my life that look dark. There are shadows that have encroached in my family. There are shadows that have encroached in my marriage, in my workplace. But I'm here to encourage you today that everywhere Jesus shines, the darkness cannot stand. Anywhere you bring Jesus, it may look dark from your perspective, but no darkness has ever, come, ever overcome the true light of Jesus. And so now identity as children, one of those things is children of light. We are light. Oftentimes we beat ourselves up. No, I don't deserve this. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't get this. Why? I'm not worthy of this. And Jesus looks at you and he says, man, that's the beauty of it. You could never earn it. You could never earn it. That's the beauty of the free gift of Jesus Christ. But what does he say? He says, freely receive. Freely receive. And in Jesus, you may feel dark, but you're not. And this is where subjective and objective truth comes into play. What God speaks is objective truth. It means the ultimate reality, factual truth. If God speaks over his children, you are light. It doesn't matter how you feel in the moment. Your feelings are fleeting, Your feelings are fickle. This is why we are called a people of faith, not a people of feelings. I don't always feel like a child of light, but I know in Christ Jesus I am, so I live as such. Ephesians 5.1 calls us dear children 
of God. Now, this word dear in the Greek is agapetos, and it's beautiful. It means this, beloved, esteemed, favorite. This is my favorite one right here. Ready? Worthy of love. When Paul addresses us as dear, dear children, he's saying the father has looked at you. He's called you his favorite. The father looks at you, Gerald, and he says, you are worthy of my love. How many of y'all have ever felt unworthy of God's love? But the fact of the matter is that when he looks at you and says, my dear, beloved children, what is he saying? He says, you are my child and you are worthy of my love. Not because anything you did, but because you existed and you received the free gift of Jesus Christ. It's not about earning anything. He freely gives to us. So number one, we know that we are good in Christ Jesus. We know that we can walk in righteousness and truth. That can be your identity. That actually is in this moment your identity, whether you are fully living in it or not. And secondly, you are loved. Oh my gosh, I have heard Christians say horrible things about themselves. I'm a worm. I'm disgusting. I don't deserve God's love. Listen, 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 listen. The creation does not determine what it receives from the creator. You can speak this over yourself all the day long. And while you're claiming you're unworthy, he's going to be looking at you saying, no, you are worthy. So you are actually, when you speak these things over yourself, you are actually fighting against the will of God in your own life. Jesus did not die so you would call yourself a filthy, nasty, little depraved worm. He died so you would live as if you were worthy of love. And this is why, this is why my generation finds ourselves sleeping around all the time, finds ourselves stuck in relationships that are purely toxic because we don't think we're worthy of love. And so we settle for the basis, most levels of lust rather than the love we are worthy of. But I'm telling you, if we speak the message of identity, because the world has a broken identity, Jesus died for all people. So what does that tell me? All people can step into the identity that he died for. So the message we're meant to proclaim is not screaming hellfire and brimstone, but the God who reconciles and makes whole. This is the God we proclaim, not an angry God, not a wrathful God, but a God who sent his son to reconcile, as we're about to read, reconcile all things back unto himself. The scripture actually says that God was in Jesus reconciling the world unto himself. What does that tell me? That means that God really, really, really loves us. Romans 8, 16 through 17 calls us joint heirs with Christ. This word heir is kleronomos. And it means this, one who receives their allotted possession by right of sonship. Pause. <laughs> you do nothing to earn this. That's why this is the good news of Jesus Christ. You do nothing to earn this inheritance. This word literally means just because of the fact you are a child, you shall receive. This takes away the striving. This takes away the stressing. This takes away the trying to be perfect. The trying to follow a million laws you actually put on yourself. It takes it away. Because now the only thing God has called you to is exist as a son 
and a daughter. Has anyone in this room ever thought what it means to be a joint heir with Christ? It means you are going to partake as right now in this moment, it's already your reality. You now partake in everything that belongs to Jesus. How can we live bogged down in this life? How can we live defeated and depressed and filled with anxiety when we know what waits for us, but not just what waits for us, what is now our present reality? Scripture tells us you have now been seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You're telling me in the spirit realm, I sit victoriously over everything that is down here. So what may bog down this fleshly body that is going to die and decay one day, I will now reign victorious with Christ forever. You are a joint heir with Christ. Galatians 4, 28 through 31 says this, you are children of promise. You are children of promise. This word promise is epangelia. It actually means an announcement, promise, good or blessing, the act of giving a specific promise. Now, I think this is beautiful because, one, we are the promised children of the new covenant. The new covenant that was promised, the one that Hebrews tells us, is based upon better promises. And as the new has come, the old has become obsolete, but the new is here and it is far surpassingly better than the old. So one, we are those children. We are the ones who were promised to the world. And this is even more beautiful. We are now the announcement to the world of what Jesus has done. So we, listen, could you, oh my gosh, if we start living as the announcement of Jesus, hey, look what Jesus can do. Look at my life. Look at the wholeness. Look at the freedom. Look at the deliverance and the healing. Look, I'm the announcement of the risen Messiah. I'm it. That is who you are. You are the literal announcement to the world of what Jesus has done. But not just that, you are now living in better promises. This is why it bothers me when I see churches mixing Old Testament with New Testament. Y'all, some of y'all, some of y'all need to buy a New Testament Bible and just read the New Testament for a long time. Those promises are not for you. Those promises are weak compared to the new promises. Those promises from Noah, from Noah and Moses and Abraham are not nearly as good as the promises from Jesus. We, we are a new covenant people. We don't live according to the weakness of the flesh and the law. We live according to the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ himself. Stop relying on your flesh to fulfill a law that has nothing to do with you and live in the new covenant by the one Holy Spirit who was given to you to live victoriously in light in this life. Listen, I'm not waiting for the by and by to walk in my inheritance. I'm going to walk in my inheritance here and now. I'm going to walk in the joy, in the peace, in the power, in the love, in the light, in the life of the Holy Spirit now. I'm not looking 60 years down the road when I'm in my 80s and on my deathbed, oh, take me to the by and by. No, listen, this is the beauty. Wherever Jesus walked, heaven was established. Jesus said, Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. And guess what? When he died, the kingdom of God was established on the earth. The kingdom of God is not randomly going to come to us one day. It's here and now. It's in you. And can I say something very bold? Revival is not coming. You are revival. 
wherever, when you live as the one you were made to be, you don't have to sit on your knees, God, bring revival. He gave the world you. Do you know what to revive means? It means to bring dead things back to life. You are the literal breath of God walking in the earth, and everywhere God breathed, life was formed. This is the identity in which we are given as children of God. It's not weak. It's not scared. But it is meek and it is gentle. Meekness is power under control. Gentleness is gently guiding people to Jesus. We're the the children of promise. Have you ever thought of yourself as a child of promise? That's you. You are the one that says the earth groans for the coming forth of the children of God. The earth was groaning for you to be born. And now what are you going to do with the power you've been given? Our identity determines our lifestyle. Will you turn with me to Romans chapter 8? Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 6. Identity determines lifestyle. Verse 5, Romans 8, 5. Y'all okay? Y'all doing okay in here? 5 through 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So I want to talk about spirit consciousness versus sin consciousness. Here in the West, in the American church, we have been taught to always look at your sin. We take Psalms, I believe it's 51, where where David says, my sin is always before my face. And we take that passage and we put that over Christians in the New Covenant. And we teach people to be sin managers. Sin managers. That's what we teach them to do. Don't sin. Don't do this. Don't do that. 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 Did you know only 10% of the new covenant tells you what you cannot do and 90% tells you what you can do in Jesus? That's called law. Now listen, you're going to say, well, Josiah, you're telling people they can do whatever they want to do. No, we're about to get into that. We're about to get into that. So we've taught people to be sin conscious. And you know what happens the more you look at something? The more you want to do it. When I was battling a pornography addiction for 10 years, I tried to stop about 70 bazillion times. And the more I tried to stop, the more I was constantly looking at it. Josiah, don't do that. Josiah, put up this discipline, put up this boundary. Josiah, don't do it and don't do it. And you know what my mind was constantly on? The one thing I kept telling myself not to do. Because I've always been the kid that when my parents told me not to touch it, I was about to go over and yeet it. I'm I'm the kid. I I, I didn't just go one step. I went 10 steps above what my parents told me not to do. I was that kid. I was the naughty kid. I was the bad one. Okay. I've always been the one you tell me not to. Oh my gosh. I just want to do it more and more just because there's always been a little bit of a rebellious nature in me, which now I see to be a good thing in a lot of ways. Um, But so, so when, when we're constantly focused on that sin consciousness, we became, we become a sin manager. Do you know what happens when you manage something? You're always overseeing it. (laughs) And so in, in the new covenant, there's no way that tells you to continually look at your sin. It actually says a mind that is constantly thinking about sin will constantly sin. That's literally what scripture says. A mind that is constantly stuck on the flesh, right? A mind that's constantly thinking of the things of the flesh will live in the flesh. Is that not what we just read? So I want to talk about spirit consciousness. Spirit consciousness. 
Let's read these verses one more time. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Right? That, that makes sense? Following? But those who live according to the Spirit on the things of the Spirit. Make sense? To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I wonder how many of us don't have life and peace in our life because our minds are constantly set on things that don't matter. Right, so, so let, let's talk real quick let, before we get into uh, spirit consciousness. There's a huge difference between the secular world and the demonic world. I'm not saying everything's demonic. I'm not saying everything you watch, every movie you see, everything is demonic. So I'm not even saying that. But I'm saying when Christians waste our, all of our thought processes, all of our mind capacity on secular things, your mind is constantly drifting towards the flesh. Well, I'm not even saying it's bad. My gosh, if you spend 30 hours watching sports a week, your mind definitely ain't going to be on Jesus. I mean, I'm just being honest, right? What we prioritize really matters. What our minds think, I'm not even saying it's sinful per se, but it's definitely going to make you drift from Jesus. That, that's just how the, that's how the flesh works in our modern state of mortality. So we got to be careful, right, that you say, well, it's not sinful. You're right. But anything out of, anything out of moderation is bad. Anything in moderation is good. Paul said, right, he said, you're free to do anything, but not everything is beneficial for your spirit. So we as Christians got to be pretty smart about how we spend our time, what we think on, what we read, what we see. I'm not even accusing you all of doing bad things. I'm just saying you got to be careful what you let your mind sit on. Because as we talked about through this whole series, your mind determines how you live. Your mind determines what you say. Your mind determines how you respond, how you react. So we now have to be careful. But let's talk about spirit consciousness. Let's talk about spirit consciousness. Let's go to Galatians 5, 16 through 17. Galatians 5. I'm in the New King James, by the way. Galatians 5, 16 through 17. I say, then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Why? Because these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish to do. Man, the Holy Spirit has your back. Like, he's really got your best in mind. He wants you to live in your identity, and he knows the things of the world don't care. They want you to be in destruction. They want you to be in darkness. But the Holy Spirit's got your back. So what does it mean to be spirit conscious? It means in all things, I'm acknowledging the guidance and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Some of you may say, Pastor Josiah, I have no idea how to follow the Holy Spirit. I have no idea how. Pray to him, and I guarantee he will answer you. The Holy Spirit never does not answer those with a genuine and pure heart. You don't know how to. Guess what? I can't give you A, B, C, D, E, F, G formula. I'm not that type of guy. I'm not trying to teach you how to control Holy Spirit. I'm trying to tell you be controlled by the Holy Spirit. So if you say, Pastor Josiah, I genuinely don't know how, pray to him. You know a good way to be spirit conscious? Think about him. Pray to him. Ask his, ask his advice. Ask him what to do in each situation you face every single day. Because the fact of the matter is the way to live the victorious life is only through the Holy Spirit. The only way. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will always guide you into the light. What is that? All that is good, all that is righteous, and all that is true. Every single time. Holy Spirit will never guide you towards the darkness, always towards the light. But that's the thing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides. I need you to hear this. He guides you. It's your responsibility to follow. 
Now, the flesh is a whole different story. You allow the flesh to have a little bit of ground, and he will ruthlessly drag you the other way. He will get you. He's out to get you. He don't want goodness for you. The closer you get to the light, the hardness he's going to try to drag you back to the dark. The Holy Spirit guides. In order to be spirit conscious, we have to think on the spirit. We have to pray to the spirit. We have to talk to the spirit. And you want to know why it's so easy to do that? Because guess where he lives? All who profess faith in Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit is already inside of you. That power is just waiting to be unlocked inside of you. So now to walk in this identity, the identity that determines our lifestyle, we have to truly focus on what does it mean to be spirit conscious versus what it means to be sin conscious. You were not created to be a sin manager, but a sin conqueror. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead now lives in your mortal bodies. (laughs) You were not created to be a sin manager, but a sin conqueror in Jesus Christ through his very spirit. Let's talk about the new creation versus the old self. And this is what I like to call restored identity versus broken identity. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 17. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we have known him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I think verse 16 is very, very important for us as believers, not only living in our identity, but now the ministry of reconciliation that has been entrusted to us to carry to the world. It's very important that we stop viewing people based upon their current fleshly state. This is is very important. You ready? Paul said, at one point, I knew Jesus by the flesh. And what did Paul do when he only knew Jesus by the flesh? He persecuted the church of Jesus Christ because he judged wrongly according to the flesh, not through the spirit. And so Paul is saying, what is he saying? He said, at one point, I only knew Jesus based upon his flesh, right? This is this 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 17. I judged Jesus. What did he say? I was judging Jesus based upon my Judaism mind. I was a Jew. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees, right? And he says, I was climbing up the ladder faster than anyone my age, He was seeking that, right? And this is why Paul writes about self-ambition because look where self-ambition got him. He was destroying the church he now served. So he says, be careful about selfish ambitions. He's trying to be cautious because he says, hey, I'm the guy who knows all about the dangers of selfish ambitions because look how that bit me in the butt. But anyways, and so Paul is saying, at one point I knew Jesus. He says, now I judge no one according to the flesh. All right, now now you may say, okay, let's talk about the new creation. Paul never just looked at anyone based upon what they would become. Like, like, look at me. He did not look at them. He did not even, y'all, he didn't walk around saying, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're horrible. He walked around saying, Jesus loved you. Jesus died for you. Jesus reconciled the world back to God for you. That was his gospel. It was the good news of Jesus Christ. Because Paul knew if you just point out people's sin all the day long, where are they going to stay? In sin. But Paul knew if you start to pull identity out of people, they're going to live towards the standard you point them to. Some of y'all are going to get this because we love to judge people in the church because somehow we're more holy than the person beside us. That's why some of y'all are a little iffy right now because y'all are like, oh, don't judge people. You're like, you know, you know why you think that. Anyways, 
Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Okay, pause. This is objective truth for anyone who is in Christ Jesus. I need you to hear this because a lot of you don't feel like you've been made new. Ready? This is you. This is a definite statement. Ready? Therefore, if anyone, what does that say? Who? A Pharisee? No. Perfect people? No. Those who follow the law perfectly? Those who have perfect church attendance? Those who know every book of the Bible? Anyone? I know because y'all, y'all need, I need some of y'all to hear this. Because some of us have a very skewed idea of what it means to, to be a new creation. Ready? So this is a definite reality that anyone who is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. You ready for the next definite statement? Old things have passed away. Behold, this is the next statement. You see these are different statements. Statement number one, you're in Jesus, you are a new creation. Statement number two, old things have passed away. Number three, behold, all things have become new. Some of us are still living in past mistakes from 20 years ago. Some of us are still in bondage and condemnation from things that were outside your control years ago. Some of you are still beating yourself up for things you did last week. You have to understand something about the Greek. This is a continual statement. When it says the old has passed away, that statement doesn't mean, oh, you did that this and then this one thing is gone. What Paul is saying is that now as a new creation, everything done outside the new creation no longer has to stick to you. The old things have passed away. I need you to hear this. Any sin you think you've committed, it has passed away. You've been forgiven past, present, future. Anything you do next week, that will be a past thing the previous day. It will have passed away. Christ died so that every day you wake up to new mercies, new grace, new love, new, 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 new. Every day is a new day. You're not bound to the things of the past any longer. So, when we walk in that truth compared to the truth of the old self, because a lot of you find yourself wrestling with things the old self really used to struggle with. But that's because you've never had grace on yourself to be the new self. Well, I still struggle with this, so I must not be what Jesus made me to be. No, when Christ died, you were made what you were made to be. It's called the complete work of the cross. The, I need you to hear this. Jesus on the cross said, tetelestai, which literally means it is finished. He did not say, okay, it has started. Okay, I've completed 50% of the work. No, on the cross he said, it is finished. And the crazy thing about this is how you identify yourself is how you are going to live. If you are con- <laughs> you may be a brand new creation, but if you keep identifying yourself based upon who you used to be, you will never live according to who you actually are right now. So you're going to waste your whole life trying to get to heaven when you could live heaven right now. Paul said, you are now a citizen of heaven. What? He didn't say one day. Paul never said one day you'll enter the pearly gates and be a citizen of heaven. Paul said, no, now you are a citizen of heaven. What does that mean? That means I can now live heaven here on earth. I have dual citizenship right now, and I choose to spin the ladder. I choose to be in the kingdom of my father. I choose to walk in my inheritance now. I'm not going to identify myself based upon who I used to be. 
Listen, y'all want to know what hell is? Hell is having no peace. Hell is living in constant turmoil. Hell is living in chaos. Hell is being depressed and filled with anxiety every day of your life. I choose not to live hell on earth. I choose to live in heaven on earth because that is what Christ bought for me. We now have to differentiate. And listen, when those old, listen, it is a battle. It's a battle to live as a new creation. Because I'm telling you, you slip up one time and you know what that flesh is going to be saying? I told you, you ain't new. You yelled at your sister again. You ain't new. I'm talking about Thanksgiving, ready? Real, real Thanksgiving things. You and your mama got in a huge fight again. You ain't new. Listen, y'all, sometimes mamas can bring the worst out of us. I'm just being honest. You get near your mama and you be like, dang, why am I acting like this? Golly. I got to repent to my mama all the time. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is this, you are new. The flesh does not want you to walk in the identity of your newness. Did you know in reality, because of what Christ did, the old flesh doesn't even have any type of hold on you. It's been defeated. Sin, death, and the grave were defeated by Christ Jesus on the cross. None of that has any hold on you unless you identify with it. That's a revelation for some of y'all. You don't got to identify with death anymore. You don't got to identify with the grave anymore. You don't got to identify with sin anymore. None of those things are for you in Jesus. That's not even what your nature is anymore. Peter said, you now partake in the divine nature of Jesus Christ. Your nature, listen, when you actually accept your new identity, your nature isn't even drawn to these things anymore. The Lord will give you the desires in your heart, not of your heart, because your desires are dangerous. But he will give you proper desires in your heart. Galatians 4 even tells us this, that when we were crucified with Christ on the cross spiritually, that our desires and sin were nailed there too. <laughs> Let's turn to Titus 3. Y'all doing okay? We doing all right? I don't even know how long I've been going for, but that's okay. I try to keep time. Titus 3, 3 through 7. The Holy Spirit regenerates and renews. Let's look at this. Because without the Holy Spirit, we cannot live in our new identity. Titus 3, 3 through 7. I just want to read this uh, portion because I think it's beautiful. For we ourselves were also once. What does that say? Once. Y'all, we got to start reading the Bible as for what it literally says. Once. You are no longer this. It's past. It's gone. This, this is in the past. You ready? This is not who you are now. You were once foolish, once disobedient, once deceived. Once you were serving various lusts and pleasures. Once you were living in malice and envy. Once you were hateful and hating one another. Verse 4. I love this. But when. Okay, so pause. This says, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. When did that appear? 2,000 years ago that appeared. You are thus no longer. But when the kindness and the love, wow, I love that. Not, 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 the, not the wrath and the anger. Not the judgment and condemnation. But when the kindness and the love of our God and Savior toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to his Mercy. He saved us. 
By the way, this word saved here is actually sozo, which means present salvation, which means present healing. All right, because oftentimes we read saved and we want to think about the by and by one day down the road. We don't want to think about the now and now. This word salvation, saved, isn't the word for final destination. This is the word sozo. Look it up in the Greek. It's present tense. Right now you can walk in deliverance. Right now you can walk in wholeness. Right now you can walk in freedom. This is why it says you are saved and being saved. Because sozo, salvation, is a constant, continual process throughout your whole life. That's now through his mercy. Some of y'all are going to get this later because we've been trained to think everything's in the future, that nothing's for us now. That is a lie of the enemy. When you, when you only think that everything's in the future, you'll never live to the potential he already put inside of you. Because you'll be waiting your whole life. You're 80 years old, waiting to go to heaven, and you never did anything with the potential that was put inside of you. Stop, stop with that whole future tense. This is why I encourage you, get the Blue Letter Bible app, read Touch the button to look at the Greek and read the Greek. Understand what your Bible actually says. I encourage you. I challenge you. Actually know what your Bible says. It will actually really help you, okay? Because y'all been taught a lot of things by a bunch of random old men, I'm just being honest, in the church, who said a bunch of random old stuff that they were taught in random old little colleges that have no biblical truth whatsoever. So y'all got to be careful who you listen to. And more than that, guess what? Don't just be, don't just be consumers. Study. You know what, you know what happened in Acts 17? Paul went to the people called the Bereans. I don't know why I'm saying this. I just feel like it. He goes to the Bereans and he preaches the gospel. And you know how the Bereans, everyone else responded, no, that's a lie. That is the stupidest thing. How can someone come back from the dead? That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But the Bereans said, let us hear more about this. But first, let us go study the scriptures. They were not quick to label someone a heretic. We've been taught, oh, it's got to be this way or no way. No, no, no. Be a good Berean. Go study for yourself. I don't want, no longer do I want y'all to take anything I say to be, to be honest God truth. Seriously, I don't want y'all to take nothing I say to be honest God truth. Go study for yourselves. I challenge you. I challenge you. Why? Because then it won't just be the truth I live in. It'll be the truth you live in. Anyways, I don't know why I got off on that little tangent. But according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly. Y'all listen to this. Listen, you don't got to wait for some time for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. He's already been poured out on you abundantly. You don't need some second event. He's already in you. Listen, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit means to be immersed in him. Do you know how immersion happens? Immersion happens over time. Ooh, that's going to mess with some people. When the water is rising, you are gradually being immersed in water. You're not just drowned all of a sudden. The water is just heap on top of your head. When you're drowning, you are being immersed into the water. This is why sanctification is a process. Over time, you are immersed fully in. <laughs> oh, man. Whom he poured out. Wait, wait, what did that say? That's, that's past tense. He poured out the Holy Spirit. Whoa. On us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This word regeneration in the Greek is palagenesia, and it literally means this, the production of a new life consecrated to God, a radical change of mind for the better. The word often used to denote the restoration of a thing to its pristine state. It's renovation as a renewal or restoration 
of life after death. The, the word often used to denote the restoration of a thing to its pristine state. Scripture tells us right now in this moment, God already views you as perfect. And you see, the, the problem is, the problem is this. We judge by the flesh, so we think God judges by the flesh. You know what's crazy? The, the, the Savior was actually the judge. Jesus was the judgment upon you by the Father. So when the Father looks at his judgment upon you, what does he see? Gee, whoo! When he sees you, what does he see? Perfection. Wholeness. Conqueror. Because we are joint heirs with Christ Jesus, seated in heavenly places with him. <laughs> mm. The word often used to denote the restoration of a thing to its pristine state. You are in pristine state. <laughs> that word uh, renews or renewing in the Greek is enikinenos, which means this complete change for the better or continual renovation. Continual renovation. So what does that tell me? What does that tell me? Let's, let, let's go to Galatians 3, 1 through 3. And th this is the problem I find most Christians, this, this right here is the problem in the American church where most Christians get stuck and you're like, why am I not growing? Why have I not moved? What is this? What's wrong here? Ready? Galatians 3, 1 through 3. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. You ready? So the, the Galatians are turning from the gospel. Even though they've seen it with their own eyes, they've experienced it with their own eyes, they're turning from the gospel. How many of y'all have experienced Jesus, yet somehow you still turn? You still found yourself in places you were not trying to get to. You found yourself on a path you were not trying to get to after you experienced Jesus. So don't be pointing fingers at the Galatians, because you are the Galatians. Paul wants to know who the heck has bewitched you, bro. Who's gotten in your psyche, man? Who's manipulated you? Ready? She said, woo, that's good right there. That can preach right there. You ready? Verse 2. I'm feeling a little bit preachy today. I'm sorry. All right. Verse 2. This only I want to learn from you. Ready? This is the one thing Paul wants to know. Ready? The one, the one thing. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Verse 3. Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? You cannot make yourself something. You can't do it. But the spirit inside of you is the one that works and wills you to perfection. You are a continual renovation project by the Holy Spirit. But the father already sees the finished product. I'm going to say this again. You are a continual renovation project by the Holy Spirit. But the Father is the master artist, the master architect, and he already sees the finished product. Because when Jesus comes, we will be as he is. Y'all, I'm preaching today. Some of y'all are getting this today. Some of y'all are going to start walking your identities today. You wasted too much time living beneath who you were made to be. We're done with that here. We ain't living that way no more. I love this. The Holy Spirit continually works in you to bring, to bring you to your full potential and purpose. 
Holy Spirit does a work, man. Stop. Stop letting him do his work and stopping him and saying, I got it from here, Holy Spirit. Stop. Stop, stop putting a hope to the renovation. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Let him do his work. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 6. And this, this is the part we're going to take to our families over this holiday season. This is the part we're going to focus on. Right now, we live in our identity. Let's focus in on this. Let's focus in on this just for a minute. All right. Reconciliation, the ultimate reality. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 6. Ready? This is Paul speaking. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Okay, Paul's this word perishing does not always mean eternal life, so it's not just think straight to the end. It means those who are currently being destroyed, whose bodies are fading away. That's what it means. All right, so he's saying those who don't have life in them right now. That's what this means. Those who not currently have the eternal life of Jesus Christ through Holy Spirit living in them. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Listen, I could get into this all day about how some Christians are even darkened and don't see the true gospel. Because some people refuse to see that Jesus is the perfect image of God. And you keep disassociating God from Jesus, thinking God's big, mean, and angry, and Jesus is great, loving, full of grace and truth. They're the same exact person. So when you see Jesus, you know what Jesus said? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So a lot of people don't have the light of the gospel. A lot of people don't think the gospel truly is the good news, the too good to be true good news of Jesus Christ. Because y'all are constantly seeing God as all these things he's not. So you add bad things into the good news. So a lot of Christians actually have not come to the full light of the gospel. You heard Jesus died for my sins. That's great. I get to go to heaven one day. But y'all, the gospel is not that simple. There's one gospel, many facets to this gospel, many dimensions to what it means. Did you know the gospel is called seven different things here in this New Testament? So many of us, even as believers, haven't fully seen the good news of Jesus. We're still darkened because we refuse to accept the fact that God and Jesus are the same person. That you cannot disassociate the Father from the Son. Dang, that's good right there. Anyways. Dang, I just want to go off on a tangent on that. Nope, reel it back in. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. What's he saying? I don't have any arrogance in this. Not only do I only preach Jesus, I even call myself your slave. That, that's a whole different level of servanthood right there. Whole different. Anyways. Verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I just really want to say one thing about this. Ready? Don't be mad at the blind. Don't be mad at the blind. Hear me. So when you see people who completely disagree with you, who slander the name of Jesus, don't be mad at them. Need you to hear me. Don't be mad at those who come against you. Don't be mad at those who do crazy things. Why? Because something is blinding them. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Don't be mad at the blind. Now, actually, it's your responsibility to point them to Jesus. I, I didn't say take them. I said point them there. Their blood is not on your hands. That's not how the new covenant works. Jesus, listen, you're not Superman. You're not the savior of the world. There's only one of those, and he already did his work. 
So no, their blood is not on your hands. By responsibility, I mean this. You now carry the ministry of reconciliation to the world. You point them to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the one who came, ready, to let the blind people see. We take that passage and we think just physical ailments. No, 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 no. Jesus, yes, he healed blind eyes, but more than that, he came to open our eyes to the truth. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the light that shone in the darkness and the darkness could not comprehend nor conquer it. Don't be mad at the blind. Stop losing your cool on people who disagree with you over politics. Stop getting crazy on people. Why? Because the more you freak out on people, the less you'll be pointing to Jesus and the more you're pointing to yourself and you don't want nobody actually following you. Point them to Jesus. Second Corinthians, let's flip over one page, chapter five. And this is where we're going to close out. Chapter five. All things have been reconciled to God in Jesus. Let's look at it. Second Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. I'm going to read it down real quick. For the love of Christ compels us. For the what? <laughs> For the what? Man, there's that love thing again. It feels like we spent like seven weeks on that thing. It must be kind of important, huh? Because we judge thus. All right, this is Paul's judgment on the world. You ready? That if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, so that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, ready? That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Who has he committed it to? Us. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. So let's look at this from our perspective of us going to be with family over the holiday season, right? But we said this is just the springboard for everyday living as children of light. A lifestyle of light. A lifestyle in our identity. But let, let's look at this as it pertains to um, current situation. You ready? We're going to break this down into two verses at a time. Verses 14 through 15. He says this. He says, the love of Christ compels us. Hmm. I think a lot of us are afraid to share the gospel because we feel like when we share the gospel, we got to tell all the bad stuff. Like, we, we just got to go into it. You're a sinner. You're this. You're horrible. You're, you're, you're damned forever. We, we, we start off with all the bad things, and then we say the good things about Jesus. It's like you turn people off far before you turn them on. But it's not the wrath or the anger of Jesus that compels me to tell you about reconciliation. It's the love of Jesus that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The gospel should always start with love. That is the whole point of the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. 
And what is the good news of Jesus Christ? The reconciliation. There is no more separation. This is the gospel. Religion always strived to get to God, strived to get to God. They could never get there. We see in, in Genesis, the Tower of Babel, they were striving to get to the heavens, striving to get to God. We can't do it. It's not possible. This is why Jesus came. Jesus came to bridge the gap between man and spirit, and now we can be one with him through the incarnation of Jesus Christ. The Eastern Orthodox Church says it this way, through the incarnation of Jesus, God fully becoming man. Now there's nothing to do to break man away from God. There's no more separation in Jesus. So no, it's not that I'm terrified of your eternal destiny. That's not why I even preach the gospel to people. Because I'm tired of seeing people live in these horrible lives now. So many people are living hell on earth right now. So no, I don't want them to live that. I don't want it to be a continual thing in their life. I don't want that. I want people living in the freedom that Christ died for. Y'all, I don't even follow Jesus to get to heaven. That's not my purpose of following Jesus. I met the real Jesus. In the book of Luke, Jesus says this. He says, he says you turn through, he's talking to Pharisees, you turn through these pages thinking this is where you find eternal life, but I am right here. Jesus is not this book, y'all. This ain't Jesus. This does not give you eternal life. It points to the one who does. Jesus did not come to establish Judaism 2.0. This is not about a religion. This is about walking in relationship and union with the one who loves your soul. It's not about being a good moral person. There are a lot of good moral people. It's not about following the law because the law doesn't even pertain to you. Following, we, we have made following Jesus always about the afterlife, always. Everything, we preach the gospel and it's always about the afterlife. Everything has to do with the life to come. I'm talking about the life here and now. The kingdom you can live in here and now. The identity you can walk in here and now. And he says this, one died for all. All should live for the one. All should live. I'm not going to say this again. One died for all. So all should live for the one. Does it say all should look to the future for one? Does it say all should hope for the future of one? This word live literally means, means lifestyle. It means to live for the one. So why? Why is Paul saying the love of Christ? Well, one, because Christ loves everyone. He even goes on to say that it's God is pleading through you to the world. World, I love you. I'm not angry. I'm not mad. Come to me. You're broken. You're hurting. You're stuck in darkness. Come and be restored. Come and be healed. Come and be delivered. Come and find wholeness. Come and find freedom in me. So Paul says it's because of the love of Jesus. But number, number two is this. Paul says, why? Because only when you live for Jesus do you have fullness of life. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, I came to give life and give it more abundantly. He said, y'all, that word life is, is a present tense living, not, not a future tense perspective. Jesus said, right now, for those who follow me, they will live life abundantly. They will experience my grace, my mercy, my peace, my comfort, my power. Verses 16 through 17. We talked about this. Look to the potential of the new. 
Y'all, anytime I see anyone, listen, I, I love viewing people who don't believe in Jesus yet because I'm praying that they all will. I pray all people will come to believe in Jesus. I, that, that, is, that is one of my greatest prayers for this entire earth. Why? Because the love of Christ can change anyone. The love of Christ can transform anyone. And so now when I look at people and I see people who don't believe in Jesus, and I, I see these amazing abilities that they have, the success, the, the, the discipline they walk in, I pray then that Christ will use that for his kingdom for his benefit, that these people come to a knowledge of the Savior that give their life to Christ, to live for Christ. Why? Because those people could be true assets to the kingdom that is being built now. So I'm taking a, Paul, a, a, book out of, a page out of Paul's book, and I'm saying, I'm not viewing anyone according to what they are right now. Because I'm believing, I'm believing my hope for all people. 18 through 19. 18 through 19. This, this is a very powerful statement. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ <laughs> and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What does this tell me? We now carry this message. You want to know, what do I talk about with people when I talk about Jesus? This, you have been committed this ministry. It's a ministry of reconciliation. I need y'all to hear this. When you speak to people, you talk about the God of reconciliation and wholeness. That's the God you preach to them and let them go search. Why? Because uh, Paul tells us in Acts, he tells us this in Acts 17. This is the hope that they would reach for him, looking for him. Why? Because he's not far from anyone. So now what do we do? We point them to the one. This is the ministry we take. You want to know, what do I even say? It's right here for you. That God in Jesus was reconciling all things to himself. This is the objective truth of eternity. But now it's the way we subjectively put faith in it that determines how we live. If I'm constantly thinking this world is horrible, terrible, nasty, y'all, my whole thought process of this world had changed. That Jesus has already reconciled all things. This is now my perspective. Why? Because when I view things as reconciled, I believe there can be change. So many Christians are looking for a way out of this world, and we think the worse it gets, the faster Jesus is coming back. No, the more we tell people about Jesus, till every ear has heard the gospel. Anyways, but we, we want to get out of this world. I don't think that's the case for Christians. We are meant to be a part of the renovation process. Holy Spirit is renovating the world for the coming of Jesus to rule and reign on this planet. It's now our job to partner with him in the renovation reconciliation process. So I'm not walking around condemning anyone because this scripture tells us that, that right now in this moment, no one's sins are being counted against them right now in this moment. Why? Because God's will is for all people to come to a knowledge of the truth that none should perish. So listen, you think your sins are being counted against you. You think God is this big bully in the sky sitting up with a notepad writing down every little thing you've ever done. Oh, I saw that. Wanda, I saw that. Yep, my, good, my, my uh, good and naughty list. Checking it twice. You better watch out. Who's been naughty and nice? That's, no. Yo, that, he says right now, no one's sins are being counted against them. No one. You are not condemned right now. You are not judged right now. At any moment, this is the message we proclaim to the world. God is not against you. God is for you. Till your final breath, he is with you. Be reconciled to him. Be reconciled to the one who loves you. The finished work of the cross is the message we take to the world. Verses 20 through 21. We're almost done. 
Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. This is so beautiful. Because this, this is what I feel. When I read that, I feel this in my spirit. Like, this is what I feel. God loves the world so much that through us, he is pleading. What does that mean? He's begging the world to come to this truth. You ready? This is what he's saying. Be reconciled to me. I'm not angry. I don't hate you. You do not have to be perfect. Come to your father. Be restored. Be made whole. Be set free. Be healed. He's calling his children back to him. That, that is the message that he's pleading through us. It's that, that the children need to come back to the Father. This is the message. This is the message I proclaim. I preach a really big God and a really tiny devil. I preach a really big cross and a really little sin. That, that, this is the message. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. The beauty of reconciliation is that it is available at any moment. Accept the free gift. Walk in newness of life. This is the message we take forward. You don't got to be perfect. Y'all, I've heard so many people, I got to clean my life up before I get back to church. I got to clean my life up before I walk with God. No, he's the one who does the cleaning. The Holy Spirit's the one who renovates the project. You have been working on the same project for 40 years and literally you've replaced one window. The rest, you can't, there's even no even roof on the house. Every time it rains, you're getting flooded. You're drowning in your own bed. Stop trying to do the work. Tell them you don't have to. Don't do the work. Let the Spirit of God renovate the project. You are a continual renovation process, all of us. And the Holy Spirit's doing the work. Every time I've tried to let my, fresh, my flesh finish the project, I found myself 10 steps away from where I was. Because it's not me. Listen, all of, you, all of you who want to step deeper into this identity, you want to step deeper into this ministry of reconciliation, I want you to come forward. I want to pray for you. We, we haven't done this in a while, um, but I want to anoint you with oil and pray over the group. That's anyone, not everyone. I'm not guilt tripping you. You don't have to. I'm saying anyone who feels this draw to step into identity like never before. I mean, y'all, come up to the, come on, be bold. You feel this draw of Holy Spirit to walk in an identity you know is there, but you don't know how to get to it yet. A life that is spirit conscious, not sin conscious. A life that sees a good and loving father. <laughs> that this is the God who calls the world to be reconciled back to him. Not because he's angry, but because he loves us so fiercely that he hates to see what sin does to us. Because his wrath is never against us, it's against the sin that harms us. <laughs> hey, the rest of you who aren't coming up, y'all y'all start praying for this group. Because y'all, the, the, the prayers of a righteous person avails much. I'm not the only righteous person up here. So y'all, y'all start, raise your hands up to this group and pray for them. <laughs>